This is the innovator of violence, Tommy Dreamer, and you're listening to Marking Out, letting all your podcasting to the extreme. This is Marking Out. Pro Wrestling Talk for pro wrestling fans, we marking out, y'all. Follow on Twitter. Pro Wrestling Talk for pro wrestling fans, we marking out, y'all. Marking out. Pro Wrestling Talk for pro wrestling fans, we marking out, y'all. Running like this Pro Wrestling Talk for pro wrestling fans, we marking out, y'all. We're marking out. Pro Wrestling Talk by Pro Wrestling Fans. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to a brand new episode of Markin' Out, episode 524. I am one of the hosts, Brandon. You can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at BTTG161. Chris will not be joining us this week, but you could follow him on Twitter at Chris Sweendog. And Dave will be following us a little bit later, not following us, joining us a little bit later. Follow him at Dave the Rave underscore M-O. Um, it, it, I didn't really do much this week. It was just a big snowstorm. Not as huge as Texas, and I hope everybody there is okay. I know it's a very rare thing for Texans to have to deal with and the, the other southern states. But uh, we got dumped with some snow, and uh, hopefully it, it clears up now. And I hope people in Texas are, are fine. Other than that, listen to the, uh, or watched on YouTube actually, the MC True Long Island story, the first episode of it. And I think it's, it's so crazy to hear Matt Cardona talk about the start of the Zack Ryder Broski character, because... Back in 2009, April 2009, uh, we had gone to a show at Madison Square Garden. He was not booked. But we were, well, we, Dave, Chris, and all his friends, all their friends were running through Penn Station, which is right underneath Madison Square Garden, trying to do like echo sound location with each other, yelling woo, 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 and then they would yell, you know it. So it was just a bunch of us doing that. And it turned out that Ryder was on the train going back to Merrick. So we all eventually met up with him, which was my first time meeting Matt. And we eventually go out later on after the, after we got back to Merrick and he told us about the transformation of Zack Ryder. And I think it might've been like the next week that it happened that he chopped off his hair and re-debuted on ECW. But it was really cool to hear the development of that. And, and because we knew that we, we were going to be seeing the one legged tights and everything. And like the long Island, douche character if you will so it was cool that uh to to go back in time and hear the mc true long island story aspect of it and i'm i'm really looking forward to the rest of this series week by week so definitely check that out on the major podcast major wrestling figure podcast youtube page uh but speaking of matt cardona there was a Impact Wrestling, uh, Impact Plus live special, I guess you call them. 
No Surrender taking place at the Skyway Studios this past Saturday. We saw The Decay pick up the victory over Triple XL. Uh, again, really cool to see Black Taurus in Impact Wrestling. We saw Brian Myers and Hernandez team up to defeat Eddie Edwards and Matt Cardona. This storyline is uh, starting to heat up there. We saw Jake something pick up the victory over Diener. Josh Alexander defeated Ace Austin, Blake Christian, who is now apparently signed with WWE. It leaked that uh, he was signed to WWE the the day of this match. We didn't know if he was going to end up being in that, so that was kind of cool. Chris Bay, Davari, Suicide, and Trey Miguel. Oh, and uh, Willie Mack as well to become the number one contender for the X Division Championship. This match was the one that I was like super confused about. Like I had no idea how the the, the triple threat, whatever they call it, was going to happen. But it ended up being pretty cool. Where it was, it started with three people. When one got eliminated, uh, another person would join the match, and then so on and so forth. And then it was just a final triple threat match until Josh Alexander picked up the victory there. Fire and Flava picked up the victory over Havoc and Nevaeh in a Texas Tornado no DQ match to retain those knockouts tag team championships. We saw TJP pick up the victory over Rohit Raju to retain the X Division Championship. Jordan Grace, Jazz, and ODB picked up the victory over Deanna Perrazzo and Kimberly and uh, Susan there. And... uh, we saw the Good Brothers defeat Chris Sabin and James Storm, as well as Private Party, to retain the Impact Tag Team Championships. I wish Private Party won. I said it last week. It would kind of be like when the Street Profits won the Evolve Tag Team Championships, and I think they right now would have the most to benefit and gain from winning the Impact Tag Team Championships. I don't think the Good Brothers necessarily need it, to be where they're at right now, especially because they're just in a a, a storyline with Kenny Omega. But I guess I understand that it's like, oh, we're all champions, sort of a thing. But the main event of No Surrender saw Rich Swan put up the Impact Heavyweight Championship against Tommy Dreamer, who turned 50 years old on Saturday. So happy birthday, Tommy Dreamer. But Rich Swan picked up that victory there, and after the match, we saw Moose attack Tommy Dreamer. So that leads into this week's Impact, where we saw TJP defeat Josh Alexander to retain the X Division Championship. I didn't want TJP to lose the title, but I also I also wanted Josh Alexander to win. Um... And that obviously that can't happen if TJP loses the title, but I thought it was a good match. I uh, just wish that the the big triple threat revolver match didn't uh, lead to a match at Impact, and just like there goes his title shot. But Ace Austin confronted TJP and Scott Diamore later on. And said that he deserves the the title shot because he won the cup. So Scott's Scotty uh, Diamore, I almost said Scott Stanford, set up next week that there will be a six man tag match: 
The winning team will then go on to have a triple threat match, and then the winner of that will be number one contender. It's always something crazy in that X division, I guess. But we saw Tommy Dreamer challenge Moose to an old school rules match, which I believe Moose already defeated Tommy Dreamer in once. So I don't really know why we need another one. And I feel like Tommy Dreamer's had like 10 old school rule matches in the past like three months. Obviously 10 is a uh, an exaggerated number, but I don't think that's a necessary thing to have. But after that, we saw Brian Myers and Hernandez backstage where Brian paid him for the work that Hernandez did at No Surrender. Then Fala approached Hernandez about getting some money so he can double it for Hernandez, which we'll tie in later on. Uh, but we saw Trey Miguel pick up the victory over Willie Mack, Davari, and Suicide. And after the win, Sammy Callahan confronted Trey Miguel. So that storyline, Chris was right last week, that storyline's continuing with Trey Miguel. We saw Matt Cardona pick up the victory over Hernandez, which I think was a a rather quick match. And Gia interviewed Matt afterwards. And Brian Myers got into the ring to confront him. And Hernandez then jumped Matt, and Eddie Edwards made the save. So that feud is not over at all. We saw an AEW Valentine's Day promo from Tony Schiavone and Tony Khan. I'm sure Chris found it to be hilarious. Um, yeah, Mr. Mister Billionaire. If you want to throw some money towards us, we're totally willing to take it. <laughs> we saw Havoc and Nevaeh backstage and Nevaeh had questioned if They should even be a tag team since they lost on Saturday. She had left Jessica Havoc by herself after the the match at No Surrender. And Tennille cut them off and spoke about how her and Havoc could be a tag team, which then turned into a match with Nevaeh for later on. But we saw Finn Juice from New Japan Pro Wrestling, Dave Finley and Juice Robinson pick up the victory over Reno Scum. I am, like, so happy that Juice Robinson is back on American programming to where I can actually watch him. And, because uh, I had always, I always had hoped that he'd come back to NXT or something, but I'm definitely going to settle for TV, uh, for Impact Television. So, I'm pumped to see what Finn Juice does in Impact. Uh, we saw the Good Brothers come out afterwards, basically call them Young Boys. So, I assume we're going to be seeing Good Brothers versus Finn Juice at some point. But we saw Rohit Raju and Mahabali Shira at a bar. And Rohit blamed Shira for losing to TJP at No Surrender. And Rohit accidentally bumps into James Storm. Storm eventually smashes a bottle over his head. And then Shira gets into Storm's face, which I did not think... Shearer was going to like stand up for Rohit, but he, he gets into his face. Chris Saban breaks it up. Swinger comes in and pitched them going to his place and then took the, the tip that James Storm had left for the, the money for, for the beer and stuff. 
But Fala showed up with the money that he had lost and uh, to, to Swinger's place. And uh, I believe they're calling it Swinger's Palace. And he lost the $10. So Fala is like beyond broke where maybe he'll uh, he'll need a gambling, gambling uh, intervention or something. Tennille Dashwood picked up the victory over Nevea, and uh, I'm assuming we'll be seeing Tennille versus Havoc at some point, maybe next week. We had a vignette for Violent by Design. Diener had said to Jake that he's going to make him suffer, and they're going to be having a tables match. So they need to watch their, uh, their holes in that match. We saw Susan and Kimberly and Deanna Perrazzo backstage. Deanna Perrazzo pitched a tag team championship match for Susan and Kimberly. Scott then sets up them versus Jazz and Jordan Grace, where the winners will move on to a title match. Um, not really looking forward to that. And I think Impact really needs a lot more women's tag teams. Like that was... From the start, my problem with this knockouts tournament that there's just no tag teams in a, in TNA, in Impact Wrestling. Uh, main event saw Moose defeat Tommy Dreamer in that old school rules match. I think the outcome was very obvious here, and I really I didn't need this match at all. But that was Impact moving over to AEW. We had the Joshi side of the women's championship number one contender tournament on YouTube. We saw Yuka Sakazaki pick up the victory over May Saruga. I definitely want to see more of May in AEW. We saw Emi Sakura defeat Venny. Venny came out wearing Hanakamura's kimono. They were a tag team in uh, Japan. I thought that was really cool. Um, and I, I want more of all of these women in AEW actually. Uh, so I don't have to keep repeating that, but we saw Rio Mizunami pick up the victory over Maki Ito. I know that stunned the internet. Everybody thought Maki Ito was going to the finals. Perhaps wasn't, uh, wasn't the case, but the main event of that evening was Aja Kong picking up the victory over Rin Katakura. I think Aja Kong might have been the only one to actually um, acknowledge Hikaru Shida being there. She was out there calling uh, the Japanese portion of commentary. But I don't think anybody else re- uh, like acknowledged her. Um, as for Dynamite, we saw Matt Hardy and Adam Page pick up a victory over TH2. I thought the match was okay, but the aftermath was the better portion of it we saw Matt Hardy put Adam Page over and Adam Page revealed that the the contract that they signed last week was actually a match for Revolution and if Matt loses at Revolution Adam Page gets all his earnings from the first quarter of 2021 and then Matt was like oh that can't be that can't be I need to uh I need to have a stipulation for myself in that match if I win then you give me all your earnings from from the first quarter. 
which they agreed on. And uh, then Matt had TH2 and Isaiah Cassidy beat Adam Page down. Isaiah Cassidy was dressed as a bear or something, one of the uh, mascots for a sporting team. I guess the Jacksonville Jaguar. It would make sense that he was a Jaguar. (laughs) That's funny. But Negative One came out and sent out the Dark Order for backup for Adam Page. So I thought that was really cool to see that aspect of Dark Order, like actually wanting Adam Page in their group and having his back. We saw... Santana and Ortiz being interviewed for their uh, their tag team title shot later on. But Chris Jericho here mentioned how Sammy Guevara is absolutely dead to him. He doesn't want to hear anybody ever mention Sammy Guevara's name to him ever again. That, I think, was the bigger part of that segment. For the women's number one contendership tournament, we saw Riho defeat Serena Deeb to advance... I, I still, I don't understand why Riho is considered uh, to be on the American side when she was just stuck in Japan for 11 months. But this was her first match back since March of 2020. And I am kind of surprised to see Rio go over here. But it'll be nice to see her get built back up. Um, I'm not a fan of the pin reversal pin to win. But this match, I think this match was the best match of the night. And it's funny because at first when I saw Rio, I was like a big fan. I was I was, uh, I was was happy to see her wrestle over and over again. But then when she won the championship, I thought it just like, it didn't seem believable. And I don't know if that was because of how bad the women's division was being booked or maybe just overexposure of Rio or not, but I thought this was a really good match. After this, we saw Jade Cargill and Shaquille O'Neal in a training video. There, There's nothing to say here. It wasn't, it was like your Shaquille O'Neal is going to be wrestling a match with Jade Cargill against Cody and Red Velvet. No mention of Red Velvet, no mention of Cody. It was just a, a like, no voice promo gimmick. It doesn't show Shaquille O'Neal training. It just shows Jade training. And training, I think she was just playing basketball. So, and there's still no explanation as to why Shaquille O'Neal and Jade are together. After that, we saw Orange Cassidy defeat Luther. No offense to either competitor in this match, but this match just for me absolutely sucked. I thought it was so bad. I would have expected Miro or Kip Sabian to interfere here, but that wasn't a thing. After that, Team Taz came out, called Sting out. Here's where it kind of confuses me. Because for weeks, Team Taz basically ran from Sting. And here, Sting, about to be in a street fight, comes out, drops his baseball bat, and goes after Brian Cage. And then Hook got involved with the baseball bat, but Sting shook him off. Brian Cage ends the segment power bombing the ever loving life out of Sting. Sting ate that power bomb. But what sucks here is that I 
would assume Team Taz is probably going to be losing to Sting and Darby Allen. We have no idea where Darby Allen is. He was still kidnapped the last time we saw him. So, I, I don't know. I'm just not, uh, I don't know. Yeah, it could be better, I guess. Kenny Omega read a book to a group of children in a classroom. The book was The Young Bucks Autobiography. Um, it ended with Michael Nakazawa getting jumped by the children and Kenny like needing to take off, barely reading the book to the children. So I guess that continues him being like a cheap heel or something. Uh, I, I don't think it's necessary. I don't think that and the golf gimmick was necessary, but well, after that, we saw the Young Bucks retain their tag team championships by picking up the victory over Santana and Ortiz. The Young Bucks' parents were there. And maybe we'll be getting some sort of inner circle member versus Matt Sr. due to the aftermath. But MJF got the inner circle kicked from ringside for the actual match. And I wonder if that's going to eventually lead into MJF trying to take over the whole inner circle, perhaps. But the actual match itself, surprisingly, I, I didn't mind it. I feel like we got less Young Bucks gimmicks during it. And uh, it was just a, a decent match. I, I, I liked, not in regards to the match, but I liked Ortiz having those Eddie, uh, Santana, sorry, having those Eddie Guerrero boots. And uh, I also liked, at one point, the Young Bucks accidentally hit each other when they were going for their, their double team move. But the inner circles beat the Bucks down afterwards. The club just watched on while Kenny kind of argued for them to go make the save. Brandon Cutler tried to make the save, but uh, he also got beat down. And then the the good brothers like slowly walked down to the ringside area while the inner circle in the inner circle fled. So I don't know what the what the deal is if Kenny's playing both sides of the faction here. What's what what's happening there? But uh, it was Chris Jericho got into Matt Sr.'s face. So Matt Sr. versus Chris Jericho, book it. It's not something something that I can't see AEW doing. Uh, After that, we saw Cody and Brandy Rhodes come out. They announced they're having a girl. And I can only assume once she's born, Cody's going to be doing a Rafiki-esque style reveal to the live crowd on a Dynamite taping. I don't know why this was a thing that took place. It got pyro and stuff. But congratulations to Brandy and Cody for, for their baby girl. Cody sat on commentary for FTR versus the Seidel's. FTR picked up the victory. Dory Funk Jr. was ringside for some reason. I guess maybe when uh, Tully Blanchard can't make it, they they called Dory Funk in. But this match, this match was the match I was most looking forward to. And it just wasn't there. I think it was a bit sloppy. And very disappointing. But afterwards, FTR went after Mike Seidel's hair. 
And because AEW loves their blackout entrances, the lights go out and Jurassic Express made the save. Like, what stopped Scott Dawson from cutting Mike's hair in the blackout? I think it would have been like a cooler pop had they like had there been no delay there. I don't think we needed the 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 entrance video or anything. I just that was unnecessary to me. But we also saw John Moxley, Lance Archer, and Phoenix team up to defeat the family, which I thought was a good match. I liked Moxley using that bulldog choke on Eddie Kingston, throwback to their feud. Um the choke slam corkscrew double team move that Lance Archer and Phoenix did was cool to the outside. But the bigger thing was afterwards, good brothers come out, beat down John Moxley. Kenny Omega comes out and he announces that at revolution, although Mox had the rematch, he gets to pick the stipulation. And that stipulation is an exploding barbed wire death match. Maybe it'll look like their match at full gear. But with explosions and more barbed wire. Or maybe it'll be something totally that favors Kenny Omega being a cheap heel champion. I know in situations like this, I'm not typically a fan of like the the deathmatch gimmicks. But we'll see where that goes and uh for now that was AEW Dynamite we're going to take a quick break and hear from a word from our sponsors that's Manscaped and uh, we'll be right back here on Marking Out Support for Marking Out is brought to you by Manscaped who are the best in men's below the waist grooming Manscaped offers precision engineered tools for your family jewels they obsess over their technology developments to provide you the best tools for your grooming experience look i mean i've done it dave's done it brandon's never done it you're down there you, sh- you know shave it up making sure everything looks clean and fresh and you get a nick you get a little cutsky there and it stinks it's no it, it's no fun whatsoever so that's why manscaped has redesigned the electric trimmer the manscaped engineering team spent 18 months perfecting the greatest ball hair trimmer ever created. So essentially, it's the ball hair trimmer equivalent of Shawn Michaels versus The Undertaker at WrestleMania 25. And they just released the new and improved Lawnmower 3.0. Their third generation trimmer features a cutting edge ceramic blade to reduce grooming accidents thanks to the advanced skin safe technology pioneered by Manscaped. When I tell you this is premium, I mean premium. The battery will last up to 90 minutes so you can take a longer shave. Because we all know that Brandon's gonna need it. The waterproof technology allows you to groom in the shower. So that way, you don't make a mess all over your bathroom. The one coolest feature is the LED light which illuminates grooming areas for a closer, more precise trimming. They've also upgraded to a 7000 RPM motor with quiet shrug technology. And let's not forget about the charging stand. Show your mower off loud and proud because this intelligently designed stand is a convenient charging dock powered by USB. So that way, I can charge my more 3.0, my camera batteries, and my phone all on the same shelf. Huzzah! If you're listening to me speak right now, I want you to experience it firsthand for yourself. Trim that junk of yours and get 20% off and free shipping with the code REGARDLESS, that's one for this uh, read, at manscaped.com. Your balls will thank you. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code REGARDLESS, that's two for this read, at manscaped.com. 
That's 20% off and free shipping at manscaped.com and use the code REGARDLESS. That's three for the three. And folks, if you want your boomer sooner to be fruity, delicious, fruity, fruity, delicious, fruity, delicious, well, then use the code REGARDLESS to get 20% off and free shipping. That's now four for this read. Don't forget to sauce it. Big thanks to Manscaped for being a sponsor. Gotta say, Chris texted me today and let me know that he's going to be using his lawnmower 3.0, which I informed him that I definitely did not need to know that. But you could head over to Manscaped.com, use that code regardless for 20% off and free shipping. There's so much more than just ball hair trimmers. You can get the crop preservers, your your foot dusters, your crop revivers, your cleansers. You get a t-shirt, some boxers, some cologne. Manscaped.com, folks. Now we're going to bring on Dave. Dave, how are you doing? Hey, I'm doing great. How are you? I know you are awesome as always. I am awesome as always. How was your week? You know, my week had a, a few ups and downs, as we all do at times. But overall, you know, a lot to be grateful for. A lot to be grateful yeah. for. But uh, we do have a bunch of stuff from WWE this past week, such as NXT TakeOver, Vengeance Day, not St. Valentine's Day Massacre, unfortunately. But on the kickoff show, Eli Drake appeared. As L.A. Knight, the team that uh, that Lil Bow Wow played for when he was in Like Mike. <laughs> Which, by the way, Lil Bow Wow, I believe, might be uh, starting to train with Rikishi to maybe start an in-ring wrestling career. Oh, no, that's that's not necessary, you know. We, we had <laughs> Look, Kevin, if, if we had you're K-Fed willing to put in up. the time, effort, and work, I have absolutely no problem with you coming in and doing doing anything. Uh, uh. But it's been about six and a half years since Eli Drake was in NXT, so it's cool to see him back. He was a, a former Impact Wrestling champion at this point, and uh, it's it's nice to have him back on television. Yeah. As for the actual card, we saw Dakota Kai and Raquel Gonzalez defeat Ember Moon and Shotzi Blackheart to win the Dusty Rhodes Tag Team Classic Tournament. Uh, I liked, first of all, both teams being in matching gear. I agree. It's it's always nice where teams actually uh, match together and look like an actual tag team. And, I mean, I for the most part, I liked most of the match. I didn't like the ending. I don't think it's legal for Dakota Kai to have also been covering Shotzi Blackheart why well because that's not like she wasn't the legal person in the match mm-hmm. so it seems illegal <laughs> <laughs> um one of the spots that stood out to me was uh ember moon doing the rough rider spot while gonzalez had a ddt on uh, dakota kai yeah i thought that was a really cool spot um but now that the the match is over hopefully we can see ember moon focus on the NXT Championship. I feel like that's why she returned to NXT. So the thing is, I don't know if I could see her as NXT Champion. Like, can you actually see her carrying the championship? 
Not really, but... Exactly. It, it's tough to vision her as champion. Hmm. Which is unfortunate, you know? Well, after that, we saw Johnny Gargano retain the North American Championship against Kushida. As the way were making their way to the ring, Dexter Loomis kidnapped Austin Theory before the match. Um, which is as they were making their way to the ring. Yeah. But Johnny sent Indy Hartwell and Candice LeRae to go find him. So you would think maybe Kushida had an advantage here, but in the end, that didn't really work. No, you know, somehow they they found the way to. I like Kushida did that running uh, Muda spot where where he ends up kicking Gargano's arm instead of a clothesline. Yep, yep. On the entrance way. Yeah, uh, that kind of led right into the finish. Yeah, he hit the the one final beat on the entrance ramp and then again in the ring to pick up that victory. But this was full of like reversals and submissions. It, it was a solid match. Yeah, it was very much so. For sure. Next up you had the Dusty Classic Finals as MSK picked up the victory over Grizzled Young Vets. Um I was impressed with both tag teams. Yeah. I liked, uh, well, first of all, Grizzled Young Veterans have proven time and time again how great they are. Uh, and MSK, if you've been following their careers, are incredible as well. I like that the, the the pushing moonsault that they did over James Drake mm-hmm. onto Zach Gibson. I thought that was cool. And honestly, I thought this match was really hard to call. I agree. I thought for sure Grizzled Young Vets were going to win it too. Um, Especially because now Grizzled Young Veterans are the only team to make it to a Dusty Rhodes Classic Finals twice and lose. Yeah. But not to say that they're not great. Like, I was thinking about it. Like, yeah, I know Revival had that entire uh, no jumps or anything, just fists, a very old school aspect. And Grizzled Young Vex, I see that very old school aspect as well. Yeah. Um, just and really, was, really outstanding tag team match. And it was an, an awesome win for MSK. Yeah. Uh, debuted in the tournament, and now they're the Dusty Rhodes Tag Team Classic champions. Mm-hmm. Cameron Grimes had a rap video that aired, <laughs> which I thought was fantastic. Now, uh, question. MSK doesn't get a cha- tag team championship. Yes, they do. Uh, for NXT? Yeah. Okay. I didn't know if maybe that was just a free roam or anything like that. No, it was NXT. That would be cool if it was. Uh... Yeah, but it's different for Dakota Kai and Raquel Gonzalez because NXT doesn't have women's tag team championships. Yeah, I definitely understand that. It would be it would just be cool if MSK had free roam and just for a one-time deal we see them versus a, the tag team on a, uh, SmackDown or Raw. Io Shirai picked up the victory over Tony Storm and Mercedes Martinez to retain the NXT Women's Championship. Um, Marce- uh, Mercedes Martinez attacked Io during the introductions, and action was pretty much nonstop since then. Yeah, Tony Storm. Uh, don't get in her way. She is a destroyer of tables without I, even trying. Yeah, that was a goofy spot. I, not on I, her. I mean, it's not her fault. And it, it didn't even seem like, uh, like it didn't phase them, it seemed. that's. I was about to say, you have to give 
uh, Tony Storm so much credit for keeping a straight face during that. Like, but even more so, it's like she she wipes off the table, it collapses, and it seemed like almost instantly Io Shirai was up on the the War Games gimmick and jumped off onto them. Yeah, yeah, that's very true. But uh, Tony Storm hit the diving headbutt and onto Mercedes Martinez, and Io Shirai hit a moonsault out of nowhere to to win that match. I think my only complaint is that I wish it was longer. Um. This yeah, the the shortest I, I match know. on the card, and uh, I don't know. I think that the time, the time wise, what they had and everything, I think they did a great job within it. I'm good with the time. Well, Triple H, I, he did confirm that they did go under. Oh. They did have more time planned for that match, but they did go under. That's interesting that they even reveal that stuff. Yeah, about the timing. But next up, you had. The main event of the evening, Finn Balor successfully defending his championship against Pete Dunne. Um, this was a, I feel like this was a great match. And we expected a match like this, though, too. Yeah, and it was cool. Not really, I mean, not cool, but Finn Balor was working Pete Dunne's knee through the whole match. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, there were there were a lot of cool spots in here. Yeah. I liked when Pete Dunn, I think he was going for the bitter end, but couldn't get all of it because of his knee. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure if it was the bitter end or not, but uh I also I liked Pete Dunn having Finn Balor kind of low blow himself. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, that was funny. But after the match. Danny Birch and Oni Lorcan attacked Finn Balor, and Undisputed Era made the save. I, kind was, of I a... was assuming that MSK was going to because they have the tag team title shot, but Undisputed Era just completely makes so much sense here. We've yeah. seen them in the past with Finn Balor teasing, like maybe we'll team up, maybe we won't. He has teamed up with Kyle O'Reilly in the past, and mm. here. Kyle O'Reilly helps Finn Balor up, and it seemed like Balor was going to join Undisputed Era. I I even think that he was a, he was about to tease Bullet Club. Something perhaps. I mean, I mean, if you if you watch that clip, you actually see Balor have the the trigger finger, and he went to he was going to raise the finger uh, to symbolize Bullet Club, and that's when the and two different generations of Bullet Club in that ring. Yeah, and that's when the craziness ensued where Adam Cole rocked Finn Balor with a uh, super kick. And just when uh, Roderick Strong was asking what's going on, why did you do that? He rocks Bobby Fish with another super, with the super Kyle kick. Kyle O'Reilly. I'm sorry? Kyle O'Reilly. Yes, Bo- uh, Kyle O'Reilly. <laughs> yes, Bobby Fish. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Kyle O'Reilly. And Roddy just looked torn. Um, he didn't know what yeah. to do, but what was interesting when they all lined up, I tweeted out, I was like, man, oh man, I just don't trust undisputed era here. Mm-hmm. And then literally because, uh, Adam Cole, I think Adam Cole and, uh, I think Finn Balor was pushed back a little bit and Cole and, and, uh, I don't know. Finn Balor was, was up more oh you and mean oh you you mean their positioning in the ring yeah and because okay. it like it was like roderick strong 
Finn Balor, uh-huh. Kyle O'Reilly back a little bit more or something like that, and then Adam Cole. And I'm like, I just don't trust this situation here. And then that's when Adam Cole hit that that super kick on Balor. And I was like, I, I knew it. <laughs> <laughs> and I was crushed, man. I felt crushed from that. But what? moving over to NXT, well, it opens up with just, Kyle I'm, O'Reilly. I'm just Go gonna on. say I cannot wait for Kyle O'Reilly versus Adam Cole because uh I know for us, we've been following the both of them from really their start of their career with Ring of Honor. And one of the uh, one of the best matches that we've seen was Kyle O'Reilly versus Adam Cole. They were a tag team. And then when they finally had, I forgot what the event was, but they had like a, a bloodbath of a match of Adam Cole versus Kyle O'Reilly. It was intense. It was one. It was up there for match of the year for us. It may have won match of the year for us. So I cannot wait for them to square up in the ring. I Do you remember that match I, or no? Not. I mean, I remember the bloodbath. Yeah, I just don't remember where it was from. Yeah. But Kyle O'Reilly, I think we uh, he predates us. <laughs> what do you mean? Like I don't. I, there's no way I was following him from the start of his career. But like, obviously, I, a good chunk of his career, but. Yeah, I think so. I, I don't think his debut. Adam Cole, yes, but yeah. Um, but yeah, Kyle O'Reilly called Adam Cole out. Roderick Strong showed up instead, and said that everybody knows Adam Cole. He did it out of his emotions, and he just wasn't thinking straight. Kyle O'Reilly ends up yelling at him, calls out Adam Cole again. But Finn Balor shows up and also called out Adam Cole, but. Oni Larkin, Danny Birch, and Pete Dunn attacked them. And I thought it was a good opening. I, I really I, like this this segment. Yeah, I totally agree with you. And yeah, we've been really following O'Reilly from the start. I mean, he started the independent. Uh, <laughs> There's no sta- way I was not watching indie wrestling in, in 2005. He, well, he wasn't really doing all that. He was doing uh, ECCW in back then. But that's really not that much, you know. He he really started to get make a name for back then. Nobody really knew him. He didn't wasn't really discovered until he was on uh, Evolve and Dragon Gate, which we were aware of. Yeah, well, you know, and that's really when he started to get known and everything. And the Ring of Honor back in tw- uh, two thousand nine, that's when he started to really uh, make a name for himself. Yeah, and definitely uh, also uh, even beyond that with like Chikara and stuff. Future Shock, that was their tag team. Future Shock. That was O'Reilly with... Oh, yeah. Did we see? Yeah, because remember, O'Reilly was with Davey Richards too. Because they were kind of doing it like Kyle O'Reilly was uh, like the up-and-coming Davey Richards because they both had like uh, that kind of... MMA aspect to them. Right. Yeah. But were they, I don't know if they were a team when we saw, oh no, they were former partners at that time. What? I was going to say, um, when we saw them at uh, ring of honor in, in Florida. Oh, in Florida. Um, yeah, they were, they had the, the opening segment. I think if I remember correctly, Hmm. Yeah, I think, 
Kyle O'Reilly was probably with Red Dragon at the time. Um, I'm not sure. He was he fought Jay Lethal for the the, the World Ch- Television Championship. Do you remember what the event was named? Yeah, it was Showdown in the Sun. I, I literally I just looked it up today because I saw that the War Memorial Auditorium was torn down. Oh, really? Yeah. Huh. We we saw Adam Cole versus Adam Pierce. Mm-hmm. And then Jay Lethal defeated Kyle O'Reilly to retain that championship. I could barely I the only thing I remember that from that is Lance Storm versus Matt Bennett. And it's funny it's Mike Bennett. And the it's funny <laughs> yes, because Mike Bennett. <laughs> that's that's literally the match that sold me on wanting what, to go to this event. But I, I, I was scrolling through the uh, Kyle Riley's Wikipedia page, and I saw the Kingdom, Michael Bennett, and Matt Taven. So yeah. I was reading Matt Taven when I said Matt Bennett. But what really here, like, I, I went for Lance Storm, but also Kevin Steen versus El Generico in that last man standings match. Of course. I don't know why I said standings, but... <laughs> No. And also, it was cool, oh, like, yeah. because go. we didn't know, yeah. at the time, we didn't really know them, but we got to see the Mighty Don't Kneel, which we, was really cool. We knew of them at the time. We just mm. did, we just knew that there was a lot we didn't know about them, when too. Were, when, was the, when was that New Japan pay-per-view that, like... I don't recall. I don't recall... I think it was I think it was like 2016, 2000 maybe 2015. I forgot we saw Adam Cole versus Adam Pierce there. Yeah, that's what I said. Yeah, yeah. I, yeah. But good deal. Yeah. <laughs> but uh yeah, so it was a good solid opening. Uh after that, we saw uh William Regal play a video of Santos Escobar saying he's not defending or not defending. He he's not going to be competing against Karrion Cross. And then he left. And then, and he also said that his match with Cross is on his time. And then William Regal announced that if Escobar doesn't show up next week, he'll be suspended and stripped of the cruiserweight championship. Hmm. And then we saw Scarlett and Karrion Cross respond to, the antics later on with just like a TikTok. Yeah, just your little basic uh promo. Not to be confused with those second uh those seconds videos gimmicks. Yeah, yeah. Touts. Shotzi mm-hmm. Blackheart and Amber Moon defeated the way here. We saw a white van show up during it, which Johnny Gargano went to investigate. And then he produced Austin Theory, who had been blindfolded, and he was, for some reason, nearly naked. Yeah, I didn't understand that. I have absolutely no idea why he like, was in his boxers. I don't know why they would paint Dexter Loomis to be that weird. Yeah. They're, Unless they're, somehow it wasn't even in regards to Loomis. He just, like, somehow, like, accidentally wiggled out of his pants or something. I have no <laughs> idea. But this distracted that, the way. That, that, the, that, would be, that would be funny if next week they were just like, why were you in your boxers? And he was just like... I was hot or yeah, like something stupid and they probably would do something <laughs> stupid with Austin theory. Cause it seems like they're just painting him out to be an idiot. I liked Shotzi Blackheart, not Shotzi Blackheart, Hindi Hartwell. Uh, somebody tweeted saying, why didn't the way just cut him out 
or something like that. And she goes, sorry, I, I forgot to bring my scissors to the match. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. But after that match, we saw Pat McAfee speak about Adam Cole saying he wants everyone to apologize to him because he was right about Adam Cole all along. So it was funny to uh, to have that segment, and it shows that he's still part of NXT. A part of me was actually ex- kind of expecting it to span over and have Adam Cole on the airplane with him. Oh. You know, kind of like he aligned himself with Pat McAfee. Hmm. But that did not happen. Next up, you had Leon Ruff pick up the victory over Swerve Scott. Uh, surprising victory for Ruff. Yeah. Uh, well, not. I, I guess I don't want to say. It's... Yeah. I think yeah. the bigger surprise was afterwards when Isaiah Scott offered up a handshake. I was like, "Wait a minute! Is he about to be face again?" <laughs> and uh, instead of a handshake, he beat Leon Ruff up. And uh, it was like a brutal attack, too. Yeah. That Death Valley driver toss into the corner I thought was absolutely insane. Oh, yeah. It was but, a nice nice little uh, aftermath move. Yeah, and he basically just said that he wants a North American championship opportunity. After losing the match. But. Well, <laughs> the whole thing is like, where, why? What about me? What about Raven? Why do you get all these opportunities? Where's my opportunity? I mean, he's not wrong. But uh, we saw the KC Express defeat Aaliyah and Jesse Kamea here. Um, Boa came out, and it didn't really distract them. And I also wish this match was longer. Mm-hmm. But Zia Lee showed up afterwards, and Caden went to go after her, but Casey stopped her so she could like talk to her she's like yeah, explain like this isn't you but zaya grabbed casey and like marked her hand so yeah I, she like then, branded her and then said like next week you're gonna die <laughs> <laughs> yes uh after that we saw a dusty classic trophy presentation that was hosted by beth phoenix msk came out first they're getting their title shot on March 3rd, which I believe is the same date as Dakota Kai and Raquel Gonzalez. But they came out, which brought Nia Jax and Shayna Baszler out. I marked for that. I liked MSK holding the ropes open for them. Yeah, I wasn't expecting that, but cool little uh, face aspect. And this was a really good back and forth promo. Totally, and I I like that they brought up the entire fact how Shayna Baszler was in NXT, also especially Nia with Jax and the history with with Dakota Kai. Mm-hmm. Yeah, especially and the history with uh, Raquel. Yeah, what I think more so for Dakota Kai's aspect, how she was saying how she's a completely different person now. Yeah. And I, you have to give it up to MSK and Beth Phoenix for, I don't know where they got it from, but we're eating the popcorn, watching everything. That's very oh, that true. That really funny. Yeah. yeah. Uh, after that, though, Cameron Grimes, we saw, got into a car accident, but did not care because he's super rich now. <laughs> so he's just going to be living that gimmick until, uh, well, until he's broke. Huh. Um, we saw it's gonna Tony be funny. Storm. It's going to be funny how they play all of that up. Yeah. Like, with everything that's happening right now with uh, Wall Street bets and stuff. 
he's definitely going to end up making a bad a bad stock choice. Or someone or someone on the roster gives him a bad opinion to select a stock and he goes all in on it and then loses all of his money and then he ends up being just like trailer park guy again. Hmm. Something like that. It'll but. be like uh Shit's Creek. <laughs> yeah. He, he's like uh, super rich and then has to go back to living. Not that what they happens, had to go back to a, a bad life. They, for the what, first time, had to. What happens if that does happen? If it ends up that he, he, bought, a, he bought a town? Oh, there's no way. <laughs> there's no be, way. That would be hilarious. We he saw buys- Tony Storm attack Io Shirai during a photo shoot. Tony just declaring that she's not done with Io Shirai. I, I dig it. I dig uh, it. And then also earlier in the night, we saw Kushida in the trainer's room saying that he wasn't done with Johnny Gargano. Bronson Reed also declared that he's not done with Johnny Gargano. And then Malcolm Bivens pitched a match for Kushida to wrestle against Tyler Rust. And Kushida picks up the victory over Rust. And I thought this was a good match. Yeah, but it just shows to show that uh, Bivens, he isn't always going to pick a winner for him. You know, just the other week or two weeks ago, we said that Tyler Rust chose someone and he lost. And then Bivens chose someone and he won. And now Bivens chose someone and... He lost. But I liked him protecting his client yeah. in here because he gave up on behalf of him. That's true. Kushida had that hoverboard lock on. Uh-huh. Protecting him. And I liked also, it's like much like the other Tyler Rust matches in recent memory, it wasn't a quick match. No, it was not a, it was not a blowout match. It was back and forth. And I think that... Uh, that Tyler Russ has a great future. Yeah. We saw L.A. Knight uh, at his house. Mr. Big Double Door got uh, got some money there. I assume I've never seen a house with a double door that wasn't a big house. But uh, he just put himself over as the hottest free agent and that nobody is going to be stopping him. We've heard people say that they were the hottest free agent before. and Which is what he also, out. I believe, said. Huh? I believe he said, like, we've we've heard people say they're the hottest free agent, blah, blah, blah. But I am actually the hottest free agent. Unless I'm making all that up and it didn't happen. <laughs> but I really think we we saw that. Or well, I mean, that hey, let's, let's see what happens now. You know? Uh, next up, you had... Zoe Stark defeat Valentina Faraz, which was a good showcase match for Stark. They aired a video package beforehand to hype her up which i now, think who is, is something she? uh she was just she was on the independent scene i've never heard of her name before though and it's not it's not uh it she doesn't have like a long career outside of wwe i believe mm. i think it was just like a, a somewhat recent um addition mm-hmm yeah, I'm not familiar with her at all. But it's weird because, like, when you go back in her history, it dates back, like, to 2013. But there's, like, scattered matches here and there. Uh-huh. 
So it's either not her or she had other stuff in between that that she just wasn't doing it. It's I only first saw her like within the past like year or so. Uh, let's see. She wrestled as Lacey Ryan and Serrano. I, I only know her as as Lacey. Uh, she trained under Allison Danger and cheerleader Melissa. But, but uh, again, with the the video package airing beforehand, I think it's something that Cora Jade and Gigi Dolan could have used before the the Dusty Classic. Mm-hmm. As also Zoe Stark could have used that. I feel like it was. I said it last week. Wrong for them to have debuted on two hundred five live like that. Apparently, uh, she's had a few. Ma- I didn't. This is probably where you know her from. I don't know her uh, from Impact. No, it's not from Impact that I know her though. Oh, it's just from seeing her online and seeing. Oh, interesting. Yeah, her matches I, 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 and stuff. Yeah, apparently she's been uh, wrestling on Impact a bunch of times and even had a title match against Jordan Grace. But those are probably, like, not Impact. It's probably, like, those one-night-only gimmicks. I don't know. It says TV show next to them. I don't know. Um, here, she was on an explosion against Ty Ta- uh, yeah, Valkyrie. Explosion is definitely not anything. I don't even know where Explosion airs. Yeah. She was, in a, uh, she was on MPW. But, yeah. Cool deal. Yeah, solid win for her and a, a good start to her television career. Mm-hmm. Uh, for the brand, picks up the victory over Finn Balor, Kyle O'Reilly, and Roderick Strong. It was interesting here because Kyle O'Reilly really didn't want anything to do with Roderick Strong here. Um, But we saw Danny Burch had the NXT Championship in the ring. And the referee tried to get it away from him. He got bumped down. And Adam Cole came out. Pushed Finn Balor off the top rope when he was setting up for the coup de grace. Referee takes another bump and Adam Cole kicks Kyle O'Reilly. Suplexes him onto those ring steps. Roddy stopped Oni Lorcan from using the championship. But Balor accidentally hit Roderick Strong. Pete Dunn comes in, scoops up that advantage win. And after the match, we saw Adam Cole hit Finn Balor with a, a super kick and held up the title. I expected that, but I hope before we get that, we get Kyle O'Reilly. I'm, I don't Which I guess so. we have to because Pete Dunn is going to be next. No, Pete Dunn already had his opportunity, just like Kyle O'Reilly did. Hmm. Not to say Adam Cole hasn't, but... It doesn't seem... Because, I mean, Pete Dunne still went after them. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe we'll see a triple threat or something. There has to be a way to have Adam Cole versus Kyle O'Reilly before Adam Cole faces... Unless Adam Cole defeats Kyle O'Reilly and then Kyle... Um, I'm sorry. Adam Cole defeats um, Finn Balor and then Kyle O'Reilly challenges Adam Cole for the championship. Yeah, I don't know. That's... Pr- that I could see happening. But, but, and then there's still the Walter aspect. <sighs> Even though he is the UK champion. Yeah, but we have no clue where that's going to fit in. Yeah. But talking about Walter, how about that NXT UK? Yeah, it opens up. We saw A-Kid defeat Shaw Samuels to retain the UK Heritage Cup. 
Again, I've said this over and over again. I'm a, I'm, I'm a fan of those British-style round matches for that they have for the, the cup, like the British rules or whatever it's called. Mm-hmm. I think it's cool. But uh, we also saw Ben Carter pick up the victory over Josh Morrell. Honestly, just wish these two were a tag team in the United States, NXT. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think they would definitely succeed over here. We had a press conference for Kaylee Ray and Mako Satamora. Their match for the NXT UK Women's Championship will take place in two weeks. Uh, Danny Luna picked up the victory over Aaliyah James. And I do not remember Danny Luna being presented as such a powerhouse back in October when we last saw her on, on NXT UK. But I enjoyed the heck out of this. And I'm uh, excited to see more of that. We also saw a promo from Joseph Connors and Ginny. And they spoke about Piper Niven. And it, I guess we're not going to see Niven joining them anytime soon. I had thought maybe she would like turn heel. But it seems like Ginny uh, wants a piece of Piper Niven. And then the main event, a very hard-hitting match. I recommend anybody uh, to check it out. Rampage Brown picked up the victory. I would say a surprising victory over Joe Coffey. There you go. Yeah, that was NXT UK. Moving over to Monday Night Raw. Monday Night Nitro. Miss TV. Opens it up. Drew McIntyre warned Miz, if you interrupt me, you're going to regret it. To which Miz interrupted him, got hit with that headbutt. And then McIntyre launched the Money in the Bank briefcase and left. I think this was a wasted segment. I totally agree with you. Miz got up almost instantly after that. Nah. And he continued to talk about the Chamber match. And then he announced that he's removing himself from the actual match because, well, he already has everything he needs. And then Miz met up with Adam Pierce later on to suggest John Morrison get the spot. But we saw Kofi Kingston and Xavier Woods confront Adam Pierce about Kofi not being in the, cha- in the Chamber. He's a former WWE champion. Yeah. Adam Pierce then set up Miz versus Kofi Kingston for the last spot. And if Kofi won, he'd be in it. If Miz won, then John Morrison would be in it. Mundo was missing from Monday Night Raw this week. I don't know where he was. He was uh, apparently working on a a diss track for Bad Bunny, against Bad Bunny. Interesting. But we saw Riddle and the Lucha House Party pick up that victory over the Hurt Business. There was a super goofy President's Day promo beforehand with Riddle and Lucha House Party, but I I liked it, and I popped because they mentioned Rutherford P.S. Hayes, and the only reason why I popped for that is because they had an enhancement talent by that name who teamed with William Fillmore back in the day, again, not back in the day, but uh, maybe 2012 against Ryback. Um, but I didn't expect Riddle to win this match, but I probably I, should have that because Lashley wasn't in. I probably should have expected that. Yeah, exactly. And then of course the Lashley attack after was 
I don't know why Riddle doesn't learn. He obviously, uh, you know, he just doesn't learn his lesson. Why does he keep on walking towards the back of the uh, stage with his back turned to it? Absolutely. Uh, we saw Bad Bunny and Mandy Rose backstage together after she left. Damian Priest walked into the picture. He puts him over as the musical guest this weekend for Saturday Night Live, which is a bam roasted to people who say who. Who? Um, but Akira Tozawa during this won the 24 7 championship from R Truth. And then Damian Priest knocked him out and basically handed Bad Bunny the title win. And Bad Bunny won the 24-7 championship. He's in New York with the 24-7 championship. We've seen photograph photographs of it. I hope he wears it on SNL. <laughs> I really hope. Or something happens backstage at I... SNL. We, we have Colin Jost and Michael Che at SNL. They've been involved in pro wrestling before. When was the last time we had a pro wrestler on SNL? That wasn't like The Rock or John Cena? Yeah, I don't think Cena. I don't know if Cena's hosted. I don't think he has. I think he's just made cameo appearances. Really? No, he's hosted. John Cena hosts SNL. John Cena did host SNL in 2016. There you go. Um. Yeah. When was the last time someone from WWE hosted, not associated to a movie like John Cena or The Rock? It would have to be John Cena or The Rock. <laughs> Nobody has ever hosted that wasn't associated like that. Yeah, wasn't I, well, Hogan and and Mr. T hosted, but I think that was to promote wrestling. What about appearance wise? Appearance wise, you had that segment with when The Rock hosted his first time with that Mick was hilarious. Foley, Big Show, and Triple H. Yeah, John Cena made a cameo appearance once before. And who else? I don't. I want to say nobody, really. I don't think there was anybody else. That's pretty big for Damian Priest. What? Right? Damian Priest? What do you mean? He's not going to be on SNL. <laughs> I thought he said he was going to appear. No, Bad Bunny I, is the 24-7 yeah, no, champion. I think, yeah, I think, that, I think Damian Priest mentioned that he was going to be there with him. I don't know. I think he said that he was going to be there with him. And with him being WWE... A 24-7 champion hey I'm not gonna put it past something potentially happening Keenan has a new show he can promote that <laughs> I love Keenan Keenan can fly to uh, Tampa and promote his new show Keenan that airs after Young Rock on NBC I, I love Keenan you know <laughs> I feel like he's just I guess just because we've he's really is we grew up with him. Yeah, he really is someone that we watched growing up, and he just always seemed just like a a good person, you know, for that long period of time. And they, I was watching um um uh, the news uh Sunday, and they actually did an interview with Keenan, and it was incredible. They were talking about how. He went from being on all that, doing all of these different characters, to now he's on SNL doing all these different characters. And the fact that he's that damn good of an actor, that as a child he was doing all these different personalities, 
And even now, he's doing it just as good. Yeah, we knew him, obviously, from all that. And then uh, Mighty Ducks was in there. Heavyweights was in there. And Keenan then, and Kel show? Yeah, Keenan and Kel, Good Burger. I was, yeah, we're, I mean, I'm a big fan of Good Burger and all those other, I mean, Mighty Ducks is coming back with a uh, a spinoff of sorts of a, of a television program. I don't think he'll be appearing on that, but. Yeah. Good old Keenan. And I think, I think Keenan produces the the new version of SNL. Who's your favorite? Who's your favorite Keenan character all from all that. that? Who's my favorite? All that for Keenan. Your your. Do you remember any of his characters? Yeah, Pierre Escargot. Yeah, that's that's my favorite, Pierre Escargot. I can't remember the the chocolate. Oh, slash. Mandy and uh, Mandy and Randy. Mandy and Randy. <laughs> <laughs> and then they had when they had Chris Farley on that. I don't remember Chris. Wait, I kind of do. It was, dude. It was insane. I I remember they had a chocolate shower. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Keenan's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> Big fans of Keenan on this podcast. <laughs> oh yeah, for sure. <laughs> uh, back to Monday Night Raw. We saw Lacey Evans and Peyton Royce versus Charlotte Flair and Oscar end in a no contest. Because Lacey Evans announced mid-match that she was pregnant and the match just stopped. Not not even a countout. Apparently she shoot pregnant. But they uh, played it off as as if it was Ric Flair. Um, Ric Flair impregnating Lacey Evans. I mean, they... Did they play it off, or did just Ric Flair? Play no, it, off? it seemed like they kind of played it off as if Ric Flair impregnated Lacey Evans. Hmm. Interesting. Um. But now, the match at the Elimination Chamber pay per view was supposed to be Lacey Evans versus Oscar for the Raw Women's Championship. Canceled. Second time that Oscar has gained advantage from her opponent being pregnant. Wow. First one being Becky Lynch, getting that uh, money in the bank, getting the, not even the money in the bank, getting the, getting the championship. Lesson B, if you want to get pregnant, you wrestle Asuka. That's uh, another thing, yeah. <laughs> After that, we saw Kofi Kingston defeat The Miz, and I think this was actually the worst placement for this match. It was it was a really good match, but that last segment, man, oh man! If you were watching this live, I just like, yeah, it didn't help out. <laughs> it was just like I cannot believe this what is a happened. thing. Yeah, yeah. But it was a good match. I, I really liked this match. I just wish it had different placements, so I was so I could be into it more. Yeah, um, I agree. After that, we saw Randy Orton cut a promo for the gauntlet match that was going to be taking place later on. And I, at, when, I, when this was airing, I was like, I don't even need to mention this on the show. But then it was cut off by Alexa Bliss playing with Ashes. Yeah. Saying that he will be reborn. Sitting in the middle of a pentagram. Yeah. Oh, gosh, man. That was a bizarre, super bizarre. 
you know, it's, yeah, he will be reborn, which is exactly what uh, we spoke about when he first got lit on fire. We spoke about him having a transformation into a new character. So, now, the thing is, when? When would you book the return of the new Fiend? 1990? <laughs> so, like, legit, like, when would you have the new Fiend make his return slash debut? I, I don't know. Would you do it WrestleMania? Or do you do it before to set up a match at WrestleMania? Or do you wait I, until you actually have fans in the crowd? No, I would assume that he's going to be back at the Chamber pay-per-view or something. You think that early? It's a possibility. I don't know. I The thing is, I don't think he should be at the Elimination Chamber because I feel like... there is, There's a lot going on around that match, yes, but... I feel like something happens with Randy Orton that he gets eliminated. To set up Orton versus the new Fiend at WrestleMania? Probably. Is WrestleMania in front of a crowd? Yeah, two nights. Okay. So two nights in front of the crowd. Hey, maybe. He could. I don't know. Um, but after that, we saw Shayna Baszler pick up the victory over Lana. Naomi and Nia Jax fought ringside. But it, I mean, it distracted Lana and Shayna Baszler. Shayna Baszler locked in the, the Kirifuda clutch to, to win. Yeah. Tapped Lana out. Uh, we saw Braun Strowman meet up with Adam Pearce and questioning, questioned why he wasn't in the Elimination Chamber match. And I like them clarifying Adam Pierce. It's a stupid answer, but it, it makes sense at least because Braun Strowman's a former Universal Champion and not a WWE Champion. I, yeah, I totally agree. I think that that's a great explanation for that, and it covers it up. But he did threaten Shane McMahon, and he said he better make it right. So maybe we'll see Shane versus Braun Strowman at WrestleMania. Mm, maybe. There was a gauntlet match to determine who will be entering last in the Elimination Chamber. First match we saw was AJ Styles picking up that victory over Kofi Kingston. We saw Amos take Xavier Woods out in like the longest, highest chokeslam ever, perhaps. With the weirdest camera angle ever. Uh, Yeah, that camera angle made no sense. I feel like, I feel like they focused too much on the height. And not enough on the impact, if that made well, sense. Well, the impact, you're not supposed to see the impact because if we actually saw the impact, it wouldn't look as bad as it, as it did. We saw that tonight on SmackDown. True. But uh, because Kofi Kingston was selling an injury during this, I thought he would like absolutely be the one to come out and win this whole gauntlet match. Mm. Just like Kofi Mania. But uh, he lost. And then Drew McIntyre came out. Picks up that victory over AJ Styles. He went on to defeat Jeff Hardy in the gauntlet match. And when Randy Orton came out to have that match, we saw Bliss gimmicks happening. I thought that this was awesome. But on the other hand, 
this is something that I've mentioned in the past where I thought that it would be cool if this was done by The Fiend. Where The Fiend... Well, right uh, now it's it's Alexa Bliss selling that he will be back. Yeah. yeah. So Randy Orton got counted out. And then the last match of the gauntlet, we saw Sheamus pick up that victory over Drew McIntyre. And I, I honestly, I liked most of the gauntlet. I don't really have any complaints about it. No, I totally agree with you. I thought that it was a... Which is, is funny because I definitely did not need to see a gauntlet match with this, <laughs> with these these members from the Elimination Chamber match. I Hey, I didn't mind it at all. I thought that it was really cool. And I like that it ended with Sheamus coming up as the winner. I I have like no doubt in my mind that McIntyre is winning. He's probably going to enter first and and win. Yeah, I can see that. SmackDown had Edge come out immediately, get cut off by Roman Reigns, which was then cut off by Sami Zayn, and we saw Jay Uso knock him down to the ground. But this was a, a really good promo with. Uh, just Roman Reigns basically saying, like, he is the main event. Edge has to pick him. Yeah. So it was cool. He's intimidating Edge a little bit. We saw Shinsuke Nakamura pick up the victory over Apollo Cruz with Big E on commentary. Big E pointing out that he's already defeated Apollo Cruz so many times. He's already gotten Intercontinental Championship shots and he's lost. Um... So I don't know if now Shinsuke Nakamura gets a title shot or not, but this was simply, I think, just to see if Apollo Crews gets another shot. But I we saw think so. uh, we saw Apollo Crews attack Shinsuke after the match, and Big E made him stop, and when he went to go check on Nakamura, instead of Apollo Crews hitting Nakamura with the steel steps, he hits Big E. Big E is lying there on the ground, gets picked up, they fight in the ring, ends up on the outside of the ring, and Apollo Crews does like a body press to the uh, the steel steps onto Big E. Now, when when will referees learn to just not say the word drop it? Uh, I mean, we saw this happen with the uh, almost the other week. On Monday Night Raw. Yeah. No, where he when he was carrying yeah, he dropped, a yeah he dropped Kofi. No, no, even before that, where he, the referee yelled at Joe uh, him to drop Jomo, and he dropped him through the table or whatever. Oh. Um, but yeah, Biggie was carted off and taken out on an ambulance. Yeah. After that, we saw Seth Rollins come out and speak about how uh, everybody walked out on him last week, and he called them all losers, and said that the biggest loser of them all is Cesaro. And later on, Cesaro said that Seth Rollins could have come back as a leader, but he chose to come a- come back as the same guy he was when he left. So, I don't necessarily see Cesaro winning the chamber. I don't either. I would be totally. Sh- I would be shocked. But I would very much so like to see him win it. I don't see him defeating Roman Reigns, though. But um, um, Yeah. We saw Tamina and Natalia pick up a victory over the Riot Squad because Billy Kay came out to cheer on Natalia and Tamina. 
It didn't directly lead to the ending, but it definitely helped. And honestly, Tamina looked good in this match. I'm not going to go that far. I think so. She hit the, the, the gun. What is it? Billy Gunn's move? I forget what it's called. Gunslinger, I think. I don't remember. sit-out version of it. Um, but then, afterwards, she took Billy Kay out. She, Billy was just trying to be, just trying to celebrate with them. Messed up. Yeah. Next up, we saw Ding Dong Hello Love with it. the Women's Tag Team Champions, Shayna Baszler and Nia Jax. Reginald came out to kind of stand up for Sasha Banks, and then Sasha Banks came out to be like, brother, you don't speak for me, don't you ever speak for me? And said that Bianca Belair will face her at WrestleMania because she's obviously the best choice. Then Bianca Belair came out and said, I don't think you speak for me either. And then Reginald pitched a six-person tag team match, um, which left everybody except for Bailey yelling at Reginald. (laughs) I thought that was funny. Yeah. But the actual match itself, Sasha Banks, Bianca Belair, and actual... The person that actually picked up the the finish was Reginald. Picked up the I, victory over over uh, Nia Jax, Shayna Baszler, and Bailey. And I, I was very impressed with uh, with Reginald in this entire match, especially with his interactions with Nia Jax. The the dodge that he had in the corner it was like a forward dude. I don't even know how to describe that. It was like a reverse worm. It was like yeah, it was like a rever- it was like a, a forward kip up worm. I've never seen anybody do that. I thought that was so cool. That, I I want to see a different angle of that. <laughs> yeah, I thought that was really cool. But for, for what this match was, I enjoyed it. It was kind of all over the place. Um, especially because Bianca Belair and Sasha Banks hit that double drop kick to help Reginald get the victory there. Yeah. Uh, kind of, I don't necessarily think Nia Jax should have taken that like the way she did, but... I agree with you. The, the monster, Nia Jax, taken out by a double dropkick. But later on, we saw Carmella question Reginald as to where he has been. And he lied to her and she got angry even though she said she wasn't angry. And then she threatened him and, and threw wine on him. Basically said, you're going to have to do the right thing. Messed up. I mean, and what's funny is Reginald is just, he just totally got the wrong vibe from Sasha Banks. (laughs) You know, this all stems from Sasha Banks giving him the bottle of wine. Right. Or the flowers. Champagne. Was it a bottle of champagne? I thought maybe it was flowers where she rejected his peace offering. And she gave Uh, it back to him. I thought it was champagne. Maybe it was champagne, but after that, he was like flattered by her. We so. saw the Mysterios defeat Chad Gable and Otis via disqualification. The Dirty Dogs were on commentary here, basically uh, doing everything they could to put down that the Street Profits can no longer get a. They have to build themselves back up, basically. But the disqualification came about because Chad Gable got into the ring and didn't listen to the referee. And he kept coaching Otis to attack. And we got a heel turn. 
a surprising we got a heel turn from Gable and Otis. Mm. Would I I would not have guessed Otis as a heel turn. Well, I There's no, dude. It was a total <laughs> heel turn. I'm torn on believing it though. Why? Like cuz it could just be like, "Oh, I was just listening to coach." Dude, look at his facial reactions. We he legit looked I mean, not shoot wise, but he looked pissed. Like we've never seen Otis angry. We've always seen happy go lucky. We've never seen we've him. We've seen him angry against Ziggler. That's true. That's true. But this, he looked pissed, and he went onto the that the rope and hit that splash onto Rey Mysterio. Yeah. Um, they were ignoring the referee completely. Dude, this was a total heel turn. Yeah, well, I guess we'll see. I, I'm, I like it. Uh, I throughout like it. the night, though, we saw Edge meeting up with, uh, I believe, everybody from the Elimination Chamber match, except for Jay Uso, because he was already in the ring with him earlier in the night. Um, but he put most of them over. Baron Corbin, King Corbin, was rude to him. Um. There was also a pre-match segment with Daniel Bryan, Cesaro, and Kevin Owens where they were talking about how Kevin Owens turned on like all his partners. Yeah. And they brought up how Daniel Bryan's like, you know, there's a there's a big name that I think I'm missing. If only I had a list, <laughs> which I thought was funny. If there was a live crowd, I think they would have all popped. Oh, yeah, for sure. I'm sure that Twitter blew up for that one. Uh, perhaps, but the main event saw Daniel Bryan, Cesaro, and Kevin Owens pick up the victory over Sami Zayn, King Corbin, and Jay Uso. Edge was on commentary. Paul Heyman was eventually on commentary. I thought it was a good match for what it was. I agree with you. It was it was entertaining. After the match, everybody hit like a big move. Edge. Yeah, you had to finish, finish, finish. Edge hit his spear, and as soon as he got up, Roman Reigns speared him. Well, you you mentioned spear versus spear. Yeah. But that was SmackDown moving over to the Elimination Chamber pay-per-view taking place at Tropicana Field, the WWE Thunderdome. Um... Triple threat for the United States Championship. Bobby Lashley versus Keith Lee versus Riddle. I'm going to stick with Bobby Lashley. Really? You're probably going to pick Keith Lee. I was actually going to pick Matt Riddle. What? Yeah. I mean, I, I say it that because... It would make sense. He's the, like, the biggest feud with Lashley right now. Well, that's the thing. I feel like Matt Riddle could win just because he's get, been getting his butt beat by uh, Bobby Lashley over and over and over. So I can see him picking up the victory. For the WWE Women's Tag Team Championships, Nia Jackson, Shayna Baszler defend those titles against Sasha Banks and Bianca Belair. I'm sticking with the champions. I agree with you. I'm sticking with the champs, especially because we had that altercation on uh, NXT um, for the WWE championship the elimination chamber match 
Drew McIntyre versus AJ Styles versus Jeff Hardy versus Sheamus versus Kofi Kingston versus Randy Orton. I am sticking with Drew McIntyre. It's got to be Drew McIntyre. And, I mean, they're just building him up and building him up and building him up from Brock Lesnar to Goldberg to now if he is able to overcome the odds at Elimination Chamber by defeating uh, all former champions. It's huge. Um, Probably, I assume, the main event, or almost the main event. We have the Elimination Chamber for the WWE Universal Championship match later on. So maybe that's not, maybe that'll open the the card. Hmm, maybe. Uh, Jey Uso versus King Corbin versus Sami Zayn versus Daniel Bryan versus Cesaro versus Kevin Owens. If Jey Uso, do we see him just laying down? Did I even finish this? Did I say a whole sentence there? Yeah. I don't know if I said if Jey Uso wins. <laughs> finger finger poke of doom? Right? Hmm. I mean, it's I'm hard torn to... between Cesaro and Daniel Bryan. I'm going Kevin Owens. I'm over the feud, <sighs> but I feel like they aren't. I'm going to say Cesaro. Really? Okay, cool. And then for the Universal Championship, Roman Reigns will will take on the winner of that Elimination Chamber match. I'm going to say Roman Reigns. I agree. I'm going Roman. That was the Elimination Chamber pay-per-view. Hey, Brandon. Got any shout-outs? Hi, this is Casey Kasem. And up next on the American Top 40, Brandon shout-out. First shout out goes to WWE the day of Royal Rumble 2021. Um, I thought it was cool that they followed a wide range of talent here. And they had guys like Hurricane and Carlito backstage. They had Tori Wilson and Victoria in it as well. They were smaller parts, but mm-hmm. uh, I appreciated all of them being included here. I have to see it. It sucks that uh, Carlito apparently is not with WWE. I don't know what happened. There were like those rumors that he was going to be the producer and then, or try out for a producer, and then that was it. The, they had the two spots and that was it. Yeah, maybe, who knows? Maybe they're given a little bit of time and then he'll uh, be brought on. I don't know. Uh, next shout out goes to The Crew, which is Kevin James's new team program on netflix that i got to see a taping of last year in january oh yeah wow and uh it was really cool to finally see the episode that i saw live and it's like a lot of people say that laughter in shows like that is fake but i remember people popping left and right for things and was it because like the sign came up to say laugh what was there a sign that no, said... No, no. Like, there was nothing that said laugh now or anything. And, and in fact, they tried out different jokes in, in, the, in different places, too. And they picked the ones that people popped out the biggest. Really? Yeah. It was That's the weirdest thing. Because, like, you would expect going to a show like that, the crowd's not going to laugh, like, at yeah, anything. That's interesting. But it was literally, like, how you hear it on, on TV or, or on Netflix here, it was like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then the last shout-out is going to Cruella which is a live-action origin movie for Cruella DeVille, which they uh, 
released the big trailer for this past week, and I think it looks good. I didn't see that trailer, but I did see the trailer for Mortal Kombat. I do not care about Mortal Kombat. No, 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 but that, now that deserves a shout-out. I don't uh, care about Mortal Kombat, though. Street Fighter guy? I don't care about Street Fighter. I'm a WWE guy. I was about to say. (laughs) (laughs) But uh, I think Cruella looks good. A lot of people are calling it Disney's Joker, which I definitely get. But uh, I'm looking forward to it. It stars Emma Stone, and she's just, like, she's going crazy. Mm -hmm. At one point, there's a big fire in in one of the scenes. Looks like uh, she lit the the Fiend on fire or something like that. Uh, so I'm I'm looking forward to that. I'll definitely check it out in on Disney Plus once it's out. I don't think it, I don't know when it's it's supposed to come out in May. I think, mm-hmm. but I, I definitely don't see theaters being a gimmick for that yet. But who knows? Those are my shout outs. Now it's time for our. That is right, our mark out moment of the week. Uh, just to bring back, bring it back to Kevin James real quick. He was on Hot Ones last week to promote the crew. And he spoke about his time in high school with Mick Foley a little bit. So I thought that was cool. They went to high school together? Yeah. That's weird. <laughs> they were on the, the wrestling team together. Really? Yeah. That's even more weird. Huh. Yeah. He spoke about how uh how he used to how he knew Mick Foley was the guy that would like jump off his roof and stuff. I do you believe it? Do I believe Kevin James knew Mick Foley? Yeah, do you well do you believe the jump in like theory close we've like that? We've seen video footage of it. Yes, absolutely. With Kevin James in there? No, it, it's not necessarily saying that Kevin James was there for it. He would, he was aware of it, though. Oh. I don't know. Watch, Kevin James was like a bully back then to him. <laughs> and, like, in reality, Mick Foley just doesn't want to speak up about it, but he actually really hated him. Um, other things that I definitely marked out for was Young Rock. I missed it. I... Can't wait to. I, I wish the whole series was out. I would have binged it. Did we get a shout out yet? No. We drove his dad though. We should get a shout out. We did, but uh, we we definitely won't be on it. Yeah. But it was cool because like there were scenes with Rocky Johnson and the Wild Samoans together, and it's like we were with both of them. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, um, we should have taken pictures. We screwed up big time. Do you uh, do you have any mark out moments? Um, my mark out moment was, let's see, probably seeing, uh, uh, Cardona post the image of the figures, the WCW figures and thinking that the major bros did a mock-up of of the the shark. Yeah. The shark. And I thought that the shark was a rip off of Jay Silva. (laughs) Like I, I legit thought that Cardona... Like, you know, like, they'll mock up their own characters yeah, and have yeah. customs. I thought that they had a custom of Jamie on there. 
because I thought that was like the red and black, the red and black headband <laughs> that he had and everything like that. And I did it like I saw the shark attire. And I'm like, oh, that's pretty funny that they used the shark attire and they just made it as Jamie. And then I was just like, oh, wait, no, that's legit. The shark, that's not Jamie at all. <laughs> um, on the, the topic of the major pod, they interviewed headbanger Mosh this week. And Mosh, I, I don't remember ever hearing about it. or And we definitely never saw this at all. Mosh showed off prototypes of Jack's classic superstars headbanger figures. We had never seen prototypes or anything. They they had signed on, which I don't remember knowing. Um, Probably during their, maybe it was during their championship road. No, not championship, but when they had their return run. David, that was like three years ago. <laughs> oh yeah, the Jacks. <laughs> they have not been with Jacks in like a decade. Yeah, yeah. But uh, it was towards the end of their their run with Jax, and apparently they were going to be in like the next wave, but they broke the deal, or they ended the deal with Jax, mm-hmm. and that was it. And Mosh told a story about how he coached his kids, uh, I don't know if it was like a soccer team, and then somebody else on the, the team their parent used to work for a toy company mm-hmm. and the toy company was bought out by Jack specific. So because Mosh was such a good coach or whatever, they called whoever they knew at Jack's and got the two prototypes of Mosh and Thrasher and presented him with a gift. And it was that. Huh? And it legit blew my mind seeing those photographs because I was I'm such a I'm still such a fan of the headbangers. Oh yeah, they they were. I mean, I think both of us pro- remember when they first came out with. Uh, I don't. Maybe you would. You you probably remember they came up as the Flying Nuns. No, I was not. I don't don't think I watched then. Yeah, it was the Flying Nuns, and then it was on metal. But I. Uh... I, maybe I did watch them. I don't yeah, know. Yeah, you must have. I I think the Flying Nuns did have a match on WWF Metal. But uh, I had always hoped that we would get like a classic superstars figure of them. Mm-hmm. And that just, that never happened. And uh, still waiting for Mattel. I don't know. Uh, maybe Mattel wants to do it, but. Nah. But uh, those are our markout moments of the week. And that was episode 524. You could follow all three of us on Twitter at BTTG161. I'm on Instagram at that address as well. Chris Sweendog, Dave the Rave underscore MO, collectively at Marking Out. Facebook.com slash Marking Out. YouTube.com slash Marking Out 11. Instagram is that as well. Pro Wrestling slash marking out, twitch.tv slash marking out. If you use the code regardless at manscaped.com, you will get 20% off and free shipping. Also, check us out Apple Podcasts, Stitcher Radio, Spotify Podcasts, so much more. And we wish you the, the-
best, best of luck in your future, future endeavors. endeavors.